the struggle. There's a man who returns to work yet another day. In the midst of his day, he's talking and interacting and the grief begins to come towards him. There's some things that didn't go the way they were supposed to go and the boss is bringing some pressure. He's feeling it. So the first thing he does is, well, he begins to tell a few half-truths, maybe three-quarter truths. You know what I mean? It's pretty much all there except a few little important facts and leave those out. And then you move to your friends. And as you're talking with friends in the hallway, it's, I can't believe. And then it starts becoming maybe quarter to half-truths as we begin to stretch it just a little more to make sure that we're protecting our good name. His next step is uh, to start getting a little hot under the collar. A little bit of anger, a little bit of frustration. Just how could they, with all that I've done, how? As he gets back to his office and he sits down, he realizes, here I go again. I constantly fall into this thing I don't want to fall into. And for him, his trap was stretch the truth just a little bit. Raise up the anger wherever you need to. It's time to get people to respect you the way they should respect you. Whether I'm actually earning it or not. And he takes a deep breath. Because really, the bigger struggle for him is, he's not even sure he really wants that. I mean, maybe it's better to shortcut. Just tell a few lies, stretch a few things, try to raise up the anger. Maybe that just feels a little bit better. Aren't we all there in some way, shape, or form with stuff we're struggling in in our lives? These, these aspects that each of us is struggling with, you and me, where we end up saying, I keep going back to that same well. Maybe because it feels good. Maybe because it's a quick shortcut. You know, we're in the middle of a series called Grow Right. Grow Right. Why don't we throw the slide up there? We're going to keep updating this each week. So this is where we're at this week. Remember, the center is purpose, right? We did that two weeks ago. Glorify him. That's what it's all about. Aligning with his purpose, which is glorify him. We talked about that purpose. We went over it in a number of different ways. Make sure that your life is actually reflecting him. Well, how do you do that? It means, Lord, whatever you bring my way, I'm going to constantly be doing what you ask me to do. I'm going to hand myself over to you. May you be reflected in me as I run hard after you. That's purpose. Last week we talked about presence. This idea of being still before the Lord. Really sensing, really experiencing him in your life. I mean, God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. But all too often we don't really practice that. We don't experience that presence because we tend to drift into our own little worlds. It's about taking some time to reflect on the works that he's doing in your life and celebrate them. It's about taking some time to just say thank you. It's about taking some time to say, it's time to be still. Remember how we talked about that? The word be still literally means just drop your arms. Stop the fighting. Hear from him. Spend a little time with him in his word and in prayer. That was last week. So we did purpose. We did presence. This week we're on passions. How can I want what he wants? Lord, help me to love what you love and hate what you hate. 
I keep going this way where I choose the thing I really don't want to choose. And yet in the moment, I seem to want it because that's what I pick. Why? How can I get the passion that aligns with you, Lord? That's where we're going today. Passion. Make me hungry for what I should be hungry for. How do we go about doing that? Open with me uh, in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 141. That's where we're going to be going today. The ushers are coming forward. They've got some Bibles in their hands. So just raise your hand if you need a Bible and we'll get a Bible to you. All right. We're going to be going verse by verse through Psalm 141. Just raise your hand if you need a Bible. How do I start wanting the right thing? That's what we're answering today. How do I start wanting the right thing? You know, the first point is this. Pray for God to guard and direct your heart. Pray for God to guard and direct your heart. It starts with us just throwing ourselves at his mercy. That's where it starts. Pray for God to guard and direct your heart. Look at verse 1 of Psalm 141. We'll just start there. He says, O Lord, I call upon you. Hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I call to you. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. This is a psalm of David as he's just praying. He's saying, O Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, which means, right, that personal name of God. He's saying, I am. I'm calling out to the I am. The one who exists from eternity past to eternity future. The one where the whole universe rests in your hands. That's who I'm calling out to. Oh, Lord, I call upon you. I call upon you. He's pleading for God to be involved in his life. But more than that, what he's really doing is he's dropping his guard. And he's setting his life into God's hands. Lord, please take over. I understand that you're in charge. Take charge in this life. Oh, Lord, I call upon you. Notice he says right after that, hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I call to you. Hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I call to you. It's this concept of, Lord, I'm throwing my whole self before you. I'm throwing myself on your mercy Could you do me a favor? Could this look like a really fast response? That's what he's saying. Have you ever been there? Like this isn't a prayer for maybe, hey, Lord, in the next four to six weeks, if you could do something in and around this area, that'd be great. It's more like, Lord, could I see your hand moving right now? Know what I'm saying? This is one of those, Lord, I am in the midst of dire straits and I would love to see you immediately in my life. I'm sorry I've been pushing away. I'm sorry that it's been all about me. Take me right now. Let's you and me do something. Hasten, give ear. This idea of give me a really quick response, Lord, on this. I'm throwing myself at your feet. What do you want done? Then he says, verse 2, let. Have you ever thought about that word before? Let. It's a very small word, but it means a lot. It means open hand. Picture yourself with it. Maybe just do it with me. Take your hand and just open it up. Open it up. You can do it with me. This is lat. It's I'm handing this over to you, God. 
that's your job. When we start talking about, give me the passions, Lord, it starts with, I'm handing it over to you. Let. He says right after that, let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Let my prayer be counted as incense. You know, that wafting up of a smoke that has some element of odor to it as well. And it's meant to do a couple of things. It's meant to say this is a really important moment. So it's recognizing importance. But it's more than that. It's also recognizing kind of a sense of purifying and holiness. Lord, may this prayer, may all that I'm doing, I'm just letting my my guard down before you, Lord. May it just be received as the one gift I've got for you. Incense. Then he says, and the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. You know, David, who was living under Old Testament law, there was this concept of every evening there was a sacrifice for the people. And he's saying, I really, I I don't have much. What I have is, well, what I have is me. I'm lifting up me before you, Lord. I'm not sacrificing some animal. I'm not sacrificing anything else. I'm sacrificing me. I'm laying me before you, Lord. Treat it as that daily sacrifice regularly laid down to you to say, purify me, cleanse me, walk with me. Lord, Lord of the universe, you've got me. Where can we go from here? This is the beginning to being able to have the passions that God has. To love what he loves and hate what he hates. It starts with, I'm just handing myself over to you. Now he goes to the next step, verse 3. More than that, he says, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. This thing on our face called the mouth, right, the lips, it can cause a lot of problems. Did you know that? Yeah. And, and he's like, will, will you do me a favor, Lord? Can you just like put a filter on that thing, you know? Like I keep getting myself into trouble with what I'm saying. Set a guard over it. You know what a guard is? That's like this watchman who stands out there in front of it and is like, nothing's going out that shouldn't go out and nothing's coming in that shouldn't come in. You know what I mean? And like we all say, amen, right? Right? That's where we need to be. Like, unfortunately, all too often, things come rolling off our lips, and then we're like, maybe I should have thought about that, right? And then the cost, wow, the cost can be high. We have to watch what we're saying. Well, that's not what he says here. He's not saying, you watch. He's saying, Lord, can you be the guard over? Can you watch over? It's not that I'm not going to put effort into this thing, but God... I need some divine work with this mouth. That's what he's saying, right? Lord, can you please set a guard over this mouth? Can you watch over the door to my lips? Can you please make sure that what's coming out is not a train wreck or causing a train wreck? Could you do that with me? Notice what he says right after it. little secret to the mouth. He says, do not let my heart incline to any evil. Do not let my heart incline to any evil because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? 
Like, hey, it's nice to say, please don't let anything bad come out of here, but what's inside is completely nasty and ugly and horrible. Well, that's really actually not a godly plan. God's plan is, let's purify it from the inside all the way to what comes out, okay? And so when he starts, he's like, hey, let's start by just capping it, okay? If we can at least cap it, maybe then I can start getting the work on the interior and we can stop some of the problems we got going on. Start by stopping this. Now let's clean up this. That's what he's saying. Lord, will you put a guard over my heart by putting a guard over my lips and then begin to clean up what's inside? Help me to not be inclined to any evil. You know, incline, like lean towards, right? Help me not want to lean towards that stuff that's really not where I should be. It's one of those kind of images where you're walking along and you have this choice and you sort of, maybe you just lean to where you shouldn't be, right? Help me not to be that God. May my heart not want any of it. May when I come up to it and see it, may I simply be repulsed to the point where I move away from it with all I have. Help me, Lord, to not even desire that, whatever that is. Kill the desire in me, Lord. It's inclining my heart to evil. This is where the passion starts. It's, God, you take over in me. Lord, I'm handing you all of me. Change me. Lord, as I begin to lean this way, don't let me lean that way. Okay, newsflash. When we pray that to God, Lord, help me not to want, guess what God's going to begin to do? He'll begin to run things past you that you need to not want, right? And then he'll give you clear opportunities for inclining away from them, okay? And so you're like, all of a sudden, why is it that I'm praying for and then all of a sudden all these problems exist? Because God's training your heart. As you work with God and you say, Lord, incline me to not want anything evil, he's going to begin to walk some challenges into your path where he can shape you, where he can show you that the choice on the righteous path has such payoff so that you're walking away going, oh, I so want that next time. That felt pretty good this time. I'm telling you, I saw God's hand at work. It took me away from where I was, where I would typically fall. I did not fall. I'm standing over here now and I'm liking it. And God's going, exactly. And that's where we're going from now on. It's somewhat of a training process. It's a learning process. It's a growing process. And as we begin to pray it, it's not that God goes, great, magic touch, bam. And now we just, all we want is lovely things. It's more like, it's sort of that washing cycle going on. You know what I mean? It takes a little bit of time and you're seeing some of the dirt come out. That's what it's like. As you begin to pray, Lord, help me to want what you want. Oh, he's going to work with you. He's going to bring it along. Work with him. Trust him. He's inclining your heart towards unbelievable righteousness. And what a payoff. Notice he goes a little further. He says, do not let my heart incline to any evil. Uh, to be to busy myself with wicked deeds. That's kind of the summary of like, I'm doing them. It's actually my hands doing them. Don't let me be doing them, Lord. Uh, in company with men who work iniquity. They're doing them. I'm just hanging out with them and they're doing it. Help me not even like to be around that. Furthermore, and let me not eat of their delicacies. 
Lord, they got some pretty good meals going on and I'm hanging out over there. And I'm liking hanging out with them and it's maybe not even me doing it so much, it's them doing it. But as you hang with those who are really flying lame, you learn to fly lame. And you learn to get inclined to what they're inclined to. What he's really saying is, Lord, help me to choose friends wisely. Help me to choose those I'm trusting in with all I've got wisely. Don't get me wrong. Scripture doesn't teach, hey, you know, if somebody's messed up in sin and they don't love Jesus, don't hang with them ever. That's not what it says. But what it does say is, don't lean on them. You're there to be a great friend to them. You're there to bring the truth and the hope of who Jesus Christ is. You're there to be a light in a dark world. You're there to say, I love you. Jesus Christ loves you. You aren't there to say, whatever that was. <laughs> you aren't there to say, Lord, do me a favor. Help me to learn from this person and grow from this person. And you're leaning into them. Bad plan. Okay? The plan is, Lord, may I be inclined to you. May I lean upon you. May I learn from you. May my heart be hungry for what you're hungry for. And it comes with some good choices of where we hang out. You know, I put here, we need to pray for growth. Here's four things you might want to do in your praying for growth. How do we pray for it? We see here, first of all, he's very specific. Pray specifically. If you're praying for growth, you got to pray specifically. It's not, hey, help me be more like you. It's, Lord, put a guard over my mouth. I'm not doing well with that. Or, Lord, will you please help me not to want the evil thing? I don't want it anymore. Whatever it is. What is it you're involved in that you need to drop? Be specific. Lord, help me get rid of that. Lord, help me be this. Number two, be biblical. I mean, you can even use this passage, Psalm 141, where you're saying, Lord, do not let my heart be inclined to any evil. What a great prayer. I think God will be in alignment with you on that one, right? It's like I'm quoting his scripture. So first is specific, second is biblical, third, be outrageous. Like, don't pray small. God, if once a day you could help me just watch my words a little. How about, Lord, help me to have unbelievable heart cleanliness and mouth watched so that I'm not hurting again. How about unbelievable God, unbelievable prayer? How about you can do immeasurably more than I could ever ask or think? So, Lord, I'm raising the bar way up here, and I'm expecting to be blown away. How about pray outrageously? It's time to get rid of whatever has been holding on to you. It's time to be done. That's where we go. Like, we're all sitting in here, and we're somewhere in the age of maybe 10 or 11, all the way up to whatever, and you've been struggling with stuff your whole life. What is it you need to be getting rid of? What is it that you've been tripping into? It's time to think outrageously. It can be broken with the Almighty's touch into your life. So specific, biblical, outrageous, and then fourth, expectant. This isn't a, uh, I'll pray, but, you know, who knows? This is, Oh, he can do anything. And he absolutely wants to follow through with what his word says. So now it's just up to me to not getting in the way. Lord, I'm expecting you to be working in my life. I'm expecting you to be shaping. Four things that we can be praying for. Specific, biblical, outrageous, and expectant. 
that can really get you pumped up and charged up with your passions for him. You know, there was a guy, 1942, his name was Deshazar. He was uh, assigned to a bombing run over Japan. And so they went on this bombing run. They did do the bombing. And on the way back, the plane had been hit, lost all the gas. The plane was on its way down, crashed. He was able to get out before it crashed. And he was taken as a prisoner of war. And for two years, he lived in filth and squalor. He lived in muck. He lived in disease. He had friends dying around him. It was a horrific treatment, and it taught him to be deeply hateful of those around him. Along the way, he was in one of the imprisonment camps, and uh, it got so bad that people were dying of dysentery everywhere, and the Japanese soldiers decided, you know what, we got to be a little careful. So they started to increase the food and the, the quality of the food a little bit, and they brought in one book, a Bible, and left it for them to read. One Bible, so they had to rotate it through took six months before it was his turn. Can you imagine the anxiety? It's like the only book, it's the only, and finally it was his turn. He poured over it with all he had. And when he hit Romans 10, 9 and 10, he realized, well, this isn't me. I haven't done this. And he decided to confess right there that he needed Jesus Christ and that Jesus shed blood for him could replace him. Please forgive me for what I've done. I'm giving my life to you, Lord. He became a believer that day, and that was just the beginning. You know, he said the next day he was walking out of his cell, and the guards who also hated them, uh, as he was coming out, the guard kicked him in the foot and bruised him so bad he could barely walk, and yet he still had to do his work for the day. And normally he would have responded with an extremely hateful look and whatever he could give him without getting in trouble. And this day he looked at him, and he said, Lord, you told me to love my enemies. This is unfair, but here I go. And he looked at him and he just said hello in Japanese and moved on. And the next day, he smiled and said hello, and the next, and the next, and the next. And that guard finally came to him one day with a potato. Not for anybody else, just him, a special potato. And gave it to him and said, don't tell anybody, but just wanted to give it to you. And walked away. He was beginning to build a friendship. You know, it goes further than that. He ended up, as he was released and came home, he was talking with his wife and he said, God's given me a very clear calling. I know where we're headed. She said, what's that? He said, uh, we need, we're missionaries to Japan. That's where we need to go. So they went back after prep, two years of prep, praying, calling out, Lord, what do you have for us? How could you be changing us? How could you be growing me? They ended up in Japan with some write-ups of who he was, and they'd been passing these tracks out. And word had ripped of this guy who was in a prisoner of war camp who was treated so hatefully but now had forgiveness all over him. And he was willing to speak, and people came by the hundreds of thousands to hear him share who Jesus Christ was and what it means to be forgiving. One of the people saved was actually a guy who led the uh, bombing raid on Pearl Harbor. And he ended up going back and preaching Christ and planting churches. God at work. Think outrageously. When you start praying, Lord, change me. I mean, we're talking like, rock my world. Give me a new calling. I don't care what it is. May you be glorified. Here we go. That's what we're talking about.
We're talking about, I don't care what I've been doing up till now, it's done. I want to do what you have for me, Lord. What is it? That's praying to grow right. The cost? Well, you could be a missionary in Japan. Or maybe you're talking to your neighbor next door. Maybe you're sharing with a family member. Maybe you're wrestling with an anger streak. Or maybe you're wrestling with some kind of inner struggle that nobody even knows about right now. But it's time for it to be healed. It's time for that to become testimony. It's time for God to be changing you. God working in you and bringing you along the way. Let's grow right. First step, praying for God to guard and direct your heart. Second, have righteous friends hold you accountable. Have righteous friends hold you accountable. This is the second step in having those passions. Check this out. He says, verse 5, Let a righteous man strike me. It is kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil for my head. Okay, this would be hyperbolic speech, just so you know. Okay? He's not saying, please, Lord, if somebody could hit me right here hard, like, that, that's not what he's saying, Okay? This idea of strike, this idea of rebuke, it's Lord, have somebody come into my life who is willing to say the tough words that can keep me walking the right way. Lord, may I have not just a friend, but what kind of friend? A righteous friend. That's a big difference, okay? It's not, hey, I hope my friends do get involved and tell me a little bit of things that I should be adjusting in my life. And No, it's Lord, may I find those that are running hard after you. And may those that are running hard after you also be willing to lean into my life. You know, we talk about small groups around here. This is what we're talking about. Uh, Small groups. It's not, let's get together and chit-chat about what the Bible might say and then go home and do our own thing. It's not some little book study, Bible study, whatever thing where we got a little bit of head info and we go home and maybe we're a little better for it because we know a little more, but that's all we've got. No heart stir, no will changed, no God glorified, just why do I know more? That's not what we do in small groups. That's why we have the prayer time. That's why we have the accountability time. Small group, what's it about? It's about this. It's about, Lord, may you bring into my path people who are running hard after you, and may they be willing to lean with me into my life struggles. That's what small groups is. Lord, help us to reflect you in who we are. That's why we do small group, okay? It's all about a righteous man leaning in. Rebuking is the word here. Saying the tough word that needs to be said. Are you ready for somebody to lean into your life and share that? Uh, Trust me, I understand it's not the American way, okay? Like, I get that. So everybody look up here for a second. Like, I get That America teaches, nobody has the right to tell us what to do, okay? And that's fine. There's this nice doctrinal position and and written position in the Constitution that allows the freedom of, okay? And we get that. So from a governmental perspective, yes. Spiritual perspective, same thing or not? God's plan, Uh uh-uh. Let's lean together with each other. It's not reigning over, hurting. It's please be careful. Watch out. Galatians 6 1. Anything you do of sharing of truth with others, do it gently. Do it compassionately. 
Do it absolutely loving them and wanting the best for them. But make sure you are willing to lean. That's a biblical call. That we are leaning with others and that we are allowing others to lean in with us. It's a big deal. The lean in plan. You know, he says right here in the midst of it, his second piece of prayer for this passion is first pray and second, Lord, give me people that are hungry for it and leaning on me to get hungry for it too. Who could you be leaning on? What kind of friend? That's the question. Now we go into a, a two verses here that are kind of interesting. Um, I'm just going to be really honest, okay? Depending on the number of versions here, that's probably how many translations we have of these two verses, all right? This is a little bit of an unclear section of the Hebrew, but the gist of it, we can fly at 10,000 feet and we can land, okay? So here's what he says in verse 6. He says, well, he starts at the end of verse 5. Yet my prayer is continually against their evil deeds. The word yet. Can you hear it? It's like a reversal. So I've been talking very positively, right? May these righteous men have a speaking to me. However, turn back. I still have something I need to be leaning against. What is it? These men who are doing evil deeds. Lord, may my prayer be against that. May I be not inclined towards evil, but inclined against evil. Okay, that's restarting. Now verse 6, here we go. He says, when their judges, you know, the ones who decide right and wrong, the leaders who are deciding, when their judges are thrown over the cliff, this would be a very common biblical punishment for some grievous sin was like, find a high cliff, toss them over the edge. Like That's the way they actually took a life, okay? So they're saying, when the judges are judged, that's really what's being said there. Probably metaphorical because the next phrase says, then they shall hear my words. Doesn't work well with somebody who's not alive. You know what I mean? So, Probably a metaphorical statement of the judge being judged, right? The tough stuff being brought to this judge. But it says, then they will hear my words, for they are pleasant. I am saying what's true. And what I'm saying will bring kindness to your heart. It will bring a warmth to your soul as you get in alignment with God. They will finally figure it out when God brings them to their end. That's what he's saying. Now it says right after it, as when one plows... And breaks up the earth, so shall our bones be scattered at the mouth of Sheol. Okay, I can only tell you this. The word our is in the, in the text. It is our bones that are going to end up there. And what it's saying is the bones are scattered at the front of the mouth of Sheol. What does that mean? The best I can grasp is this. It's this concept of if you hang with those who are inclined towards evil you got rough stuff coming in your life, saved or not. It's going to bring some consequences. And one of these consequences is not even a proper burial. It's this imagery of a farmer walking along with his plow, and instead of turning over rocks, the rocks that he's hitting are actually bones, yours and mine, if we're running with the evil man, if we're doing what he wants to do. And we end up in this spent place in life, and, and we don't even get a proper burial out of it. That's the graphic image, is white all over the landscape and their bones, not rocks. And it's yours and mine if we're following after the evil man. May we not run there. May we not be there. It's a very complex two verses, but I'll tell you this. It's certainly this. At the high level, 10,000 feet, uh, you don't want to be there. 
right? That's kind of the easy of it. it. That's really what he's saying. Please watch out who you're hanging with. It can cost you everything in this world. Be careful. Be careful. It's all about encouragement. It's all about coming alongside. It's about having friends that are righteous and running the right direction. You know, uh, yesterday, uh, my wife ran in a, uh, an Olympic-level triathlon. Um, that doesn't mean she was in the Olympics. For those of you who don't, that means it's distance-wise measured, Olympic level. And uh, so she did it over in Mattoon, and, and she had a job, a job to swim 0.9 miles and bike 24-something, 25 miles, and to run a 10K. That was her job. We had a job. We had a job to find any place we could along the roadside and cheer her on. You know what I'm saying? We had a job. Now, we were sitting there at the beginning, and as they're coming out of the water, a guy gets on the microphone and he says, please do not take your cars and go on the path where they'll be running and biking. It's dangerous. And my daughter looks at me and she goes, we can't go out? We're just going to sit here for three hours? I said, no, we're going out. We're not going on the path where they're going to ride and bike. We're going to find back roads to get to where we need to get to. Have you ever tried using back roads in Mattoon? <laughs> Let me tell you, we earned our stripes yesterday, driving up and down, and they didn't have maps for us, so I had my daughters, like spies, go over to the map with their phones and take pictures. Okay? And I'm like, so I'm driving, and I'm like, go to picture four, zoom in. What's that number? That They don't name their streets. They're numbered. But they're not in numerical order. I don't know. So... It's just fine random numbers and we're driving along and we're trying to celebrate and we get to these spots and one of the spots was this really neat spot where she was going to go past three times while she was biking. It was kind of a crisscrossing pattern and so we were sitting there on the cement waiting for her and as she came by we cheered. She missed us the first time but that's okay. The next time that she came by there's this woman who was standing there cheering and let me tell you she was the model of the righteous man coming into your life. She, I can't do it. I will humiliate myself horribly right now trying but this was effectively her thing, okay? Every guy that comes by, oh, Mr. Muscle Man, keep on going. You can do it, okay? And then the next guy comes by, and she's like, pedal, pedal, pedal. You got it, baby. And, and my daughters and I, we just stopped. We're just sitting there laughing at each one. She never had the same answer. I'm like, yeah, keep going. Yeah, keep going. That's me, okay? No, she's like unbelievably creative. Ooh, going with no shirt. Yeah, baby, right? Okay, so when she's going past my wife, my wife's driving by. I don't even know what she said to you. She had some little cheer going, you know, whatever it was. So she completely misses her family that's sitting on the cement going, yeah, mom, you know, (laughs) she was out there saying, get it on and I'm here with you and I will pay the price for three hours. It's time for you to know that I'm here with you. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. When we talk about have some righteous friends in our life, we're talking about that. We're talking about they're finding a spot where you need the challenge, where you need somebody to pump you up, where you need somebody to encourage you, where you need somebody to get in your life and say, come on, you can do it. And they're right there with you. Who is that for you? Gotta have it. If we talk about having these passions... If we talk about having this, I want to hate what he hates and love what he loves, got to have it. Best spot to get it, small groups. Doesn't have to be there, but it's a great spot. Who is it for you? It's really important to have that answer. Give you a second to even think about it. Who is it? Who could it be? 
You don't have an answer. You're like, I'm not sure. I really have that right now. Great. Call the church office. We need you in a small group. Like, I, we need you to be centering up with what's going on. Maybe it's in the study groups. Maybe you join that right now. We got them coming up in October. Give you a few weeks of meeting some other people and figuring out what's going on here at Harvest. It's like four or five, six weeks for them. Give it a shot. Jump into what we have going on and try to see if you can't find a place where God's challenging you through the righteous man in your life. First, it's pray. Second, it's have righteous friends hold you accountable. And third, choose to keep your eyes fixed on him. Choose to keep your eyes fixed on him. Verse 8, he says, But my eyes are toward you, O God, my Lord. Notice again that word, but. He's reversing it again, right? He was just exploring all those negative, horrible things. Now he reverses back, but. My eyes are toward you, O God, my Lord. I fixed my eyes on you. In you I seek refuge. Leave me not defenseless. He says, my eyes are toward you. Up on the horizon, looking at the Almighty, watching what he's doing, praying for what his plan is. Lord, what's your will in my life? I've got my eyes toward you. In you I seek refuge. Remember refuge? It's that idea of the shelter that protects you in the case of danger. That's who God is for you. Your refuge, your shelter. He says, leave me not defenseless. Your strength, your power, your security. Same as Psalm 46 from last week. Lord, I'm leaning on you with all I've got. I'm trusting in you with all I have. Notice what he says here at the end. Keep me from the trap that they have laid for me. They, you know, the evil ones. The ones that aren't out for what I'm out for. They've got traps laid for me. And from the snares of evildoers. From the snares of evildoers. Traps and snares. Those don't sound like nice things, do they? Have you, have you ever seen a trap and how it snaps closed? He's, he's saying, watch out. That's what's out there for you. From those who aren't righteous and who don't care about which way things are going, those who are evildoers, they've got things laid not only to hurt others but to hurt you. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass safely by. Lord, may I have a discernment as to where I need to walk because I'm with you. May I pass safely by. It's this kind of imagery. He's walking along and he's in tune with who God is and God in tune with him. And whether it be through scripture or a time in prayer or a friend, he said, turn left. Okay. And then turn back right. Okay. There's some kind of guiding and directing, some clear, avoid this. You don't want to be around here. You do want to be over here. I'm getting it from scripture. I need to be heading towards. And it turns out you just avoided somebody who was running headlong into something that would have destroyed you. And you've avoided because you were with the almighty eyes fixed on him, watching him, hearing him, going where he's calling you to go, being who he's calling you to be. Maybe it's the love your enemies type of command where you're challenging yourself in the daily elements that you live to live out that prescription. What is it? It's directing you. He's directing you. He's protecting you. He's your refuge. Is he calling you to be or do something, to go somewhere, to be about something? 
that might help you to avoid being hurt at the same time that it grows you? The answer? Yes. That's the way it works. Be very careful. Sometimes you might be getting the woo of the world. You might be getting a call or an invite or a whatever that's nothing but a snare or a trap. Watch out. Be very, very careful of where you're headed. Is it taking you away from what you're being called to be and do? It's a no. You don't take it no matter how enticing. That's what he's saying. Snares and traps. Watch out. Choose to keep your eyes fixed on him. I wrote a phrase down from this week as I was studying. thought it was a cool phrase. Listen to this. It requires a new relationship with sin to have a new relationship with Jesus. Deep. Requires a new relationship with sin to have a new relationship with Jesus. All too often we're kind of like, yeah, I believe. Like I have this mental assent thing. Nothing else is going to change. Yet that's not actually belief, right? A faith that saves is a faith that changes. I am going hard after you, Lord. I'm giving you my life. Here we go. got to hate the sin that you once embraced here's four ways to fix your eyes on him four ways to fix your eyes on him four plans you ready first celebration plan we talked about it last week you got to be celebrating what god's doing in your life you got to be seeing the little things you got to be seeing the awesome things you got to be laughing through some of what god puts before you i mean yesterday and whatever it was, 70 degree temps, and we're just having a great time as a family as we're watching my wife exercise her thing. By the way, she took first place in her age division. She also took last place in her age division. There was one in her age division. But she took eighth overall uh, for women, so she did a great job. It was really exciting. I had to throw that in, right? Maybe I won't throw that in the 11. We'll see. <laughs> we'll find out between services. <laughs> All right. So first is a celebration plan. Just what is God doing in your life? And know and be able to talk about it. Hey, here's a good plan. For those of you who have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior and you haven't been baptized yet, we got one coming up. September 26th, a great opportunity to take on celebration time. If you've trusted in Jesus as your personal savior, it's a great opportunity to stand up and say, I just want to tell people I love him. That's what baptism is. I just want to tell people I'm following after him. He is my God. Thanks for dying on the cross for me. That's what baptism is. And then down and up in water, right? Why? Because down is like down into the death with Jesus Christ and up into new life with him. It's this great announcement of God's working in me. And I just want to stand up for him just a little bit right here publicly and say, following him. Welcome to baptism. Great opportunity for doing some celebrating. If you want to do that, we've got stuff at the information table at back. Just grab the packet. There's a little thing to fill out and get back to us so we know you're looking for it. Uh, you can also do it online. Like We've made this as easy, low bar entry as you can. We want you to be able to get baptized. We want this to be an awesome service. September 26th, so it's in a couple of weeks. September 26th, Sunday morning, right here. We're going to be doing some baptisms. Be a part of it with us. Celebration plan. How do I want what he wants and love what he loves and hate what he hates? Part of it is just following through with what he's asked me to do. Go after celebrating. Go after testimony. 
Second, exit plan. This is the second in four ways to have a plan to fix your eyes on him. You've got to have an exit strategy for that sin. What is it you're struggling with? 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, There is no temptation that's taken you, but that which is common to all men. God is faithful. He won't let you be tempted beyond what you're able, but he'll give you a way to escape. He will give you a way to escape. What's your escape plan? Get it. Have it. Got to avoid that sin. Time to exit. Fix your eyes on him. I'm not walking through the sin. Here we go, Lord. Celebrate, exit. Third, have a worship plan. Some kind of time and listening to some CDs or, or some great music on the radio or, or whatever. Maybe it's just you singing in the car. Something where you're celebrating him with music, listening to some preaching. You're spending some time in the word. Just worship. That's all worship means. You're worth it, God. Spend some time with him, celebrating him. Got to have a little bit of a plan there. What's your plan? And last, don't settle. This is a C.S. Lewis challenge. All too often, we as human beings are lame. We settle for way less than what God planned for us. Don't settle. Go for the outrageous. God, what is it that you're calling me to? That's the call. That's the battle cry. Fix your eyes on him. And then you've got a couple of questions to ask. How can I celebrate him? Lord, what sin am I struggling with and what's my exit? How can I be going after a worship plan with him? And don't settle. A little bit of homework this week. Answer some of these plans out. Figure out where you're headed. It's the best way to get a passion to hunger for him. There's no other way. Then pray. Have some friends that will come alongside of you. And fix your eyes on him. The author and perfecter of your good faith. Let's pray.